And welcome, everybody, to the Andrew Kubreder Show. Of course, I'm your host, Andrew Kubreder, and today we'll be covering public schools here in Kentucky. I've been seeing a lot of stories regarding teachers sexually assaulting students. Just how much of that are we seeing? Is this a trend? What's going on? Then we'll be talking about uh, Louisville Gas and Electric looking at closing four coal power plants. Finally, University of Kentucky and others respond to the realization that UK has been performing gender reassignment surgeries on minors. Uh, of course, as you can expect, everybody's mad. Um, but uh, let's try to wade through the BS and find out the truth, shall we? We'll have all that and more today on the Andrew Cooperwriter Show. But first, please like, comment, share, subscribe, spread the news. The, the best way that you can help out the show is by hitting that share button, making a comment, hitting like. If you're listening to this on the audio format, in the podcast form, please leave a review uh, but only if you like the show. If you hate the show, don't leave a review. Nobody wants your opinion. Um, but uh, without further ado, let's dig into it. So here in Lexington, this is what kind of uh, got me looking at this because I've been knowing, noticing a lot of these stories and news broke, uh, oh, yesterday, day before yesterday, three days ago or so, about uh, a Henry Clay teacher uh, involved with having... Um, exchange of, of pornography, sexual images with a nine-year-old boy. So having a nine-year-old boy send him pictures of his genitals and him sending adult things to him, obviously pretty awful. And I, and I started to ask a question, what is going on here? Let me just read some stories from just this year from around Kentucky. Patrick Howard Brady in Anderson County is facing a multi-count indictment of sexual-related charges. The allegations center around inappropriate relationship with students. This is all this year. Ellen Shell, Kentucky's teacher's aide, arrested for having sex with two underage boys, including family friend's son. Northern Kentucky teacher arrested after posting child porn on social media. Kentucky State Police reported that they arrested 26-year-old Benjamin A. Adams of Bowling Green, Kentucky, who was a teacher at Logan County High School uh, for inappropriate relationships with minors. A Rowan County teacher and coach is accused of inappropriate sexual misconduct with a student. Um, superintendent confirms Andrew Zari has been placed on administrative leave following inappropriate relationships with children. This is just a few headlines from this year, just here in Kentucky, and this isn't even all of them. So the question becomes, is this, what is going on here? What is going on in our public schools? And I started to dig deeper. I'm going to tell you some things that are quite shocking, some facts, some statistics that are going to make you lose your mind. So be prepared. So this is a stat from the Department of Education's Civil Rights Study. And in 2016 to 2018, okay, so they looked at uh, school year in 2016, they looked at school year ending in 2018. They found that instances of sexual assault on a student from a teacher rose by 55% from 2016 to 2018. In fact, it is believed that over 10% of all students involved in public schools, K through 12, that are graduating, 
have experienced, 10% of all kids in K-12 education have experienced uh, a sexual assault from a teacher of some kind, some sort of sexually either inappropriate behavior, uh, actual rape, uh, those types of behaviors. Quite horrific. In fact, according to many studies, the sexual abuse problem going on in our public schools specifically is nearly 100 times greater than that of the Catholic Church. That's right. Our public schools, instances of sexual assault, this is accounting for the size difference, is over is nearly 100 times greater than the problems we've seen even at the height of the Catholic Church. That is horrific. Absolutely horrible. And what's funny, though, is we hear leftists all the time talking about uh, the issues going on in the Catholic Church. Many a times when we are, are involved, if you're involved in any kind of political debates or online discussions with leftist people and you're talking about Christianity, one thing they'll try to use to tear it down is they'll use the attacks of, of you know the Catholic Church having its disgusting issue with Catholic priests, and they'll use that as fodder or evidence for why all of Christianity is wrong, ignoring the fact that, of course, um, sin doesn't, sinning of, of human beings has nothing to do with the, the actual Christianity and your belief in it, or should have nothing to do with it. But, anyways, but they cite that as a ha ha gotcha moment. But why is it that the media, and also us in a way, are not talking about the 100 times, nearly 100 times greater problem that is going on in our public schools. Why is it that as we talk about public school education, we've been talking talking about indoctrinations, of course, we've been talking about worrying about what our kids are being taught, CRT and as such, but we are not talking about the massive problem of disgusting, horrible, gross, perverted, awful teachers, not all of them, obviously, but the ones that are assaulting these children. We're not talking about this gigantic issue that's literally dancing right in front of us. A lot of that has to do with the fact that, well, the teachers unions, much like we've seen with the Catholic Church, mixed with the administrators of these schools, they're hiding the issue many a times. They don't want the information to leak to the news, and they definitely don't want you to connect the two. In fact, as I just said earlier, and I was talking about disgusting, horrible people that want to rape children, I had to make sure as I was saying it, you knew I was talking about those who are raping children and not all teachers. It has become a thing in our culture. We're not even supposed to speak badly about our educational system for fear that we may upset the teachers for pointing out the failure of the educational system. Well, I can tell you this much. Especially you leftists out there. You want to point at uh, a few bad cops. I mean, all cops are bad and everything else. Well, what do we do with the fact that a few teachers are raping 10% of our students in public schools? What do you want to do with that information? Do you want to watch it sit idly by? Or do you want to actually deal with this head on? Do you want to make sure that it is unthinkable and these acts are met with the kind of ferocity and condemnation they deserve. 
But no, instead, what our culture wants to talk about is they want to encourage this type of behavior. And what do I mean by that? Well, the meteoric rise we've seen of this has a lot to do and tied with how we've began to view the classroom as a society over the last decade or so. Just take a listen to this video. So this was an interview by a gay kindergartner teacher after Florida passed its bill saying you can't talk to minors, especially in elementary school, about gay sex. Um, this is what a kindergartner teacher had to say on national TV. Be able to have discussions, and, and that's what we're encouraged to do in kindergarten. And then personally, because um, you know, my, my kids do have questions. They want to know who the uh, my partner is in pictures yeah. outside of my classroom, and I should be able to speak to that. That's what we do as educators. We build relationships with our kids, and in order to build relationships, you talk about your home life. You talk about what you do on the weekends. That's building community. I it scares me that I am not going to be able to have these conversations with my children because they're going to ask me what I did on the weekend. I don't want to have to hide that my partner and I went paddle boarding this weekend because mm -hmm. then they ask, well, what does partner mean, Mr. Bernard? And, you know, I, I'm worried. Can I tell them what it means? I'm <clears throat> he said he was scared to death that he can't talk about his personal life with kindergarten students, that he won't be able to tell six-year-olds about the date he went on. That is the culture. This was broadcasted on national TV as if it was a good point behind the bill, that the fact that gay teachers wouldn't be able to tell their six-year-old students about their gay relationships is a reason that the bill is just so incredibly awful. And with a culture like that, with a media like that, it's no wonder that we've seen such a huge rise with a culture and media that focuses on the pleasure of oneself, that everything is okay. There is no moral limits or bounds. You need to involve your kids, your kids in your life. Tell them all about it. Build those relationships with your children, your children. These are students. And I'm not telling you, you can't build an educational relationship with them. In what point of your life does it matter if they know the name of your husband or your wife? At what point does it matter if they know if you went on a date or not that weekend? Why are you having those discussions with the students? A school culture that's focused on the teachers and their happiness, not focused on the students and being taught. It's no wonder why. If you believe your perversion is permissible, not only permissible, but that it is a catastrophic incident, that you're not allowed to talk to kids about your perversion, are we actually shocked that we see public schools having such a horrific rise? And this kind of behavior against students? One of the most shocking things as I was reading through these studies was the amount of these assaults that are quote-unquote handled in-house. This is a problem that was seen with the same Catholic priest situation. In-house handling. Shuffling the lemons. Pushing them off onto their next victims. Many states and school districts don't require mandatory reporting. Don't require mandatory background checks on these types of issues. And instead, you continue to throw your kids to the wolves. If there was ever an argument 
for school choice, for homeschooling, for private schooling your kids. If there's ever an argument to point out just how broken our public schools are, it should be this issue. Maybe you support everything else, but everybody should be able to look at an institution where 10% of kids are being sexually assaulted, like what's happening in our public schools, and say, something's broken there. Maybe we should rethink our support for it. Well, coming up, uh, LG&E wants to close four coal power plants. We'll be talking about that issue and what they're looking for right after this. All right, Louisville Gas and Electric and Kentucky Utilities have filed a request to retire four coal-fired electricity plants and three natural gas plants, replacing them with either new natural gas plants and solar facilities. And they're having a public hearing about this. This also harkens back to a bill that was passed last year. Senate Bill 4, which uh, what it did was is it prohibited the Public Service Commission from approving a request by utility to retire a coal-fired plant. Unless, of course, that utility could show that the uh, there wouldn't be a negative impact on reliability or the cost of the electricity. And a, a big part of the reason why this was is because, well, okay, so you'd love to see in our power creation markets a free market where what's the best survives and what's not the best uh, goes down in flames, right? The problem when it comes to our electricity markets is that it is the farthest thing from a free market because, quite frankly, power companies own the lines. You don't have in a market multiple power companies. You do not have a choice of electric companies. You have one electric company. And they have entered into this unholy relationship between government and private business in order to maintain that monopoly where you can't receive, uh, nobody else can come through, build power lines to you and compete with your current electricity provider. And for that reason, it means that electricity providers, even though they are quote unquote private companies are so heavily regulated. This is a choice they have made, whether it was recent or a long, long time ago, where they made the decision that they wanted to enter into this agreement so they would have a monopoly. And that had opened up the door for why these power companies find themselves so regulated. Now, what we see a lot of times from, of course, the federal government has been this push to convert everybody to so-called green energy. We've seen this push result in some pretty disastrous effects. Take the recent Texas issue where we saw, uh, you know, solar and wind really start to fail as well as other grids start to fail. Now, people want to point out to say solar and wind was only 10% of their grid. Or we look at California that has rolling blackouts and true issues with power generation using large amounts of solar and wind. And a big part of the reason why is because if solar and wind fail and it's only making up 10 or 15 or 20% of your grid, well, then everything else has to come online and support that. And if they don't exist, if the coal-fired plants don't exist or properly insulated natural gas lines don't exist, well, then it can't make up the difference and it causes reliability issues. On top of that as well, solar and wind can be some pretty expensive 
technology when you consider that it doesn't make up for the difference. See, uh, what happens is power is like a market. So excess power uh, generated on this part of the grid can be transferred across the country to other parts where they can import their power. That's what it means when California buys in its power from elsewhere. But having to go through those different grids and processes to pull in that power from elsewhere on the grid and from other suppliers is pretty darn expensive. And then that rate gets passed on to your consumers, hence why it's a price protection for consumers as well. So while you may get paid by the federal government to put in place uh, uh, solar or wind energy, um, because the federal government is pushing these green technologies on you, and while when it is sunny or when it is windy, that produces more than enough power, at night when it's not there, you have to pull your power from elsewhere. But you have a solid customer base. They're not going to leave you. You're in a monopoly. So you can pass those expenses on to others. That's why Senate Bill 4 last year was passed in order to address that concern. Now, obviously, it was pushed heavily by the coal lobby groups because there is a real problem here in Kentucky that we do rely on coal jobs, especially in eastern and western Kentucky, in order to greatly help the economies. In fact, the 1990 Clean Air Act was one of the biggest killers of the eastern Kentucky economy as it shifted coal jobs from in eastern Kentucky and the Appalachians here out west into Wyoming. And some would say, well, that's just the progress of things. Get over it, champs. But my question would be, is it fair then for you to be taking their tax dollars, however, and funding the destruction of their jobs? Because that's what you're doing. If it was literally just a free market and green energy was found to be the cheaper, more uh, reliable, a better alternative to then coal-fired plants, well, I get it. Them's the brakes, kids. But it's not a cheaper and more reliable option. You know how you know? Because the federal government has to hand out subsidies, incentives, and sometimes just cold, hard cash to companies to get them to adopt the practice. If it was truly the way of the future and it was truly the cheapest route, it was truly the best free market choice to do so, well, then those tax incentives, those money, that cash wouldn't need to be dispersed out. Is it fair to be taking money from these hard workers to then fund their own demise, to fund them into poverty? Of course, that's what happens many times across our government everywhere. But to have these people fund their own unemployment because you want to take money out of their pockets and hand it to green energy companies or corporations that follow your political edicts? Of course not. See, It'd be great if we were just operating on a free market and this was all just that decision, but we've destroyed the process. We just outright destroyed it. And you do have to ask a question about reliability. I mean, this is Kentucky after all. It's not always sunny here. How can we rely on solar? On top of that, where are the minerals coming from? See, we as a state have already invested over half a billion dollars, half a billion, over 500 million in electric vehicle incentives, cash, tax carve-outs, whatever you want to call it, over half a billion just cold hard cash to companies to put in place green energy projects, lithium uh, uh, batteries and as such plants. The problem is where do we find these minerals at? Like I said, I find it laughable when I see people uh, make fun of the naysayers, people like me who say, look, I don't think this is the future or I just don't think we're there yet. 
They make jokes like, oh, are you writing this on a typewriter, saying that we're clinging to the past? Well, it's not about clinging to the past. It's about the fact that this is not a sustainable future, and you are stealing money from the rest of us to try to make it so. That isn't clinging to the past. That's saying the future should fund itself. Well, the University of Kentucky has responded uh, to these issues <laughs> regarding them coming out. They've, the University of Kentucky came out recently, and I covered this in yesterday's podcast, saying that uh, they have been providing some gender reassignment surgeries. Well, we do have our first article that I've seen on this uh, out of the Herald Leader. We'll be covering that, but they've got some interesting statements in there. Uh, we'll just be going over all that here right after this short break. All right, so we have this article from the Herald Leader regarding the egg on the face <laughs> that Bashir has, because it turns out UK was performing surgeries on underage minors. So I'm going to go over a little bit of that article and some points in it. First, this article is wrote by Austin Horn, who, by the way, I consider one of the better political reporters in Kentucky. He, I've sat down with him. I've done interviews with uh, Austin Horn myself. While sometimes I've looked at an article and said, I don't think that's exactly a fair thing to bring up, or I've looked at it and not been 100% satisfied, I've never felt he completely misrepresented what I said or did or ever reported uh, things that were just completely taken in the wrong light. Uh, you know, he's still a reporter. He still has a story to write. But out of the political reporters, Austin Horn, I've experienced has been one of the fairest. But he wrote this article um, from the Herald Leader titled, New Information from UK Complicates Democratic Narrative on Trans Surgeries for Minors in Kentucky. Now, of course, what he's talking about is what we covered yesterday at the top in our uh, podcast, where we spoke about University of Kentucky has been performing so-called top surgeries on minors. And this really does complicate Bashir, who's been running an ad uh, of how uh, these surgeries don't happen in Kentucky. And this has been a repeated talking point from the left. And now they've got a big problem. So let's see what UK had to say about this letter coming out. Well, uh, Austin asked University of Kentucky for comment on this, and they responded with, uh, from Jay Bland, a spokesperson for the University of Kentucky, stressed that non-genital gender reassignment surgeries performed at Transform Health were exceedingly rare and that they have can completely stopped since the passage of Senate Bill 150. He said that the clinic performed a small number of surgeries on minors who are almost adults, stating that the clinic hadn't performed the surgery on anyone as young as 14. Pause. <laughs> okay. So you, if you're making a statement here, this is, I think, a telling statement. What's, let's go over what he just said. He said, exceedingly, it's a small number. It's on minors who are almost adult. It's never been anyone even as young as 14. Well, are you saying that you've performed them on 15-year-olds? What does University of Kentucky consider almost an adult? Either they're an adult or they're not. Are you saying that a 17-year-old is fine? 16-year-old, a 15-year-old? 
They chose that age as young as 14 specifically. If it was not, I I honestly believe they've done it on a 15-year-old. I believe they have performed gender reassignment on a 15-year-old because, well, this was their official comment. It certainly draws you, you certainly have the ability to make that conclusion. So University of Kentucky obviously is trying to downplay this as much as possible. But how are Democrats responding? These Democrats who've repeatedly said these surgeries aren't happening on minors. Well, obviously they had to trot out their go-to trans spokesperson currently, Emma Curtis. Emma Curtis is a trans person who was soundly rejected by the Democratic Party uh, leadership in Lexington, you'll remember this trans individual as the individual that they uh, that wanted to take over Swain's seat in this special election that's coming up in November. But uh, the Democrats decided that, well, maybe Kentucky isn't quite ready to have a trans candidate, or rather, Bashir's more important, and having a trans person on the ballot will definitely hurt him in the polls, because obviously these are not good issues for Democrats. They just aren't. You can tell they aren't when you look at how pissed <laughs> they are about this in this article. You can tell they know these are losing bad issues for them. But what did Emma Curtis have to say? Well, Emma Curtis said the conflation of the two is misguided at best and dangerous at worst. So what Emma's talking about is, is confusing top and bottom surgery. So to Emma, there is somehow a difference between chopping the dick off a boy and chopping the breasts off a girl. To Emma, there is a big difference between the genital surgeries on minors and giving them boob jobs or chopping their breasts off on minors. Um, a difference that I don't think most people would agree with. In fact, I would ask Emma Curtis to please slowly explain why the two are so vastly different. And conflating the two is just so misguided. Please explain to me how chopping the body parts off, no matter where they are, is somehow in order to chopping and permanently disfiguring a body because somebody believes they're a different gender today is somehow different depending on where that body part is. I would love for Emma to explain themselves, but of course Emma can't. There's a giant hole in the logic. What could you expect from somebody that believes they were born into the wrong gender and really, 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 despite being born a man, really believes they're a woman? I wouldn't expect Emma to have any kind of logic because Emma's entire life is illogical. So, of course, Emma will pretend that conflation of the two is misguided without being able to explain why. But Emma continues here. It's extremely disappointing to see the willingness of a political party to use trans kids who are already one of the most vulnerable populations as political pawns. Curtis, why are they so vulnerable? Could it be that they're vulnerable because they're mentally ill and it's not getting treated, but instead people like you are defending a hospital for chopping body parts off them? But that wasn't the only trans person who weighed in in this article. Rebecca Blakenship, the state's first openly transgender elected official and executive director of Ban Conversion Therapy Kentucky, 
said it made Rebecca livid. This represents, this is from a tweet from Blankenship. This represents an appalling betrayal of public trust by UK healthcare, UK administrators, and the UK Board of Trustees. By withholding this information, the University of Kentucky has thwarted our legislature's attempt to make responsible public policy deliberately deceive and embarrassed pro-LGBT advocates and denied the public the right to hold our public institutions accountable. Notice the terms. By withholding this information, you see, these people claim that they're against the surgeries. Nobody's for the surgeries. It's bad medical advice to be for the surgeries. We'd never be okay with the surgeries. That's Bashir's claim. That's these Democrats' claim. Their claim has been constantly, nobody's for these surgeries. These surgeries aren't happening. That was wrong. Nobody's for these surgeries. We're not even for these surgeries. But notice what Blankenship is upset about in this tweet. Blankenship isn't upset that the surgeries have been going on. Blankenship cares more about the politics of the situation than they do about the kids who've been disfigured underage. Because Blankenship never actually cared. Blankenship cares about the fact that they didn't know the surgeries were happening, so they couldn't change their current gaslighting. See, they've been caught in their gaslight. They've been able to pretend they're against the surgeries until they find out they're happening, and now they have to explain themselves. That's what they're upset about. There's not one of these people. See, if they really thought it was so wrong to have these surgeries, Bashir's campaign, Emma Curtis, Rebecca Blankenship, those two transgender people, would have brought up the fact that the kids were victimized here. Thought never crossed their mind. I never brought it up. In fact, the Bashir campaign had this to say. Alex Floyd, Bashir's re-election campaign spokesperson, called Cameron's campaign, which touted the recent report, flailing and divisive. The governor has consistently said he doesn't support these procedures. Through today, no reports from the medical community of such surgeries have been provided to the governor's office. Both the Fairness Campaign and multiple healthcare systems have reported that these surgeries are not being performed. With regards to the letter, the governor reiterates his opposition to these surgeries. Has anybody said, where are these children? Has anybody showed one care from the Democrats about these victimized children? No, because they don't actually think they're victimized. Once again, they're upset that they were caught gaslighting. Bashir wants to sell you that he didn't know. There means you're incompetent of a governor to take such a position that this isn't happening in Kentucky on such an important issue that you're so incredibly misinformed on, you never bothered to go ask. Or what you're showing is, is you're hoping we wouldn't find out. What's funny is that as they talked about this letter and how they were deceived, Lindsey Tishner, state senator, mentioned the letter in a floor speech this last legislative session. In fact, in the entire time, all these individuals were saying these surgeries don't happen in Kentucky. They don't happen in Kentucky. Almost every single legislator knew they did. Savannah Maddox posted on her Facebook that she was sitting across from a healthcare provider 
who said they were happening in Kentucky. How is it that the legislators are so aware of this? How'd they have such foresight? Or maybe, just maybe, the Democrats should learn a lesson here. Maybe saying you're against a bill passing simply because you believe the thing in it isn't happening, not because you're against it. But you say, well, I wouldn't, that bill's stupid to pass because that isn't happening here. How about you don't defend something you, stop pretending you're against something <laughs> that you're not actually against. Stop using the argument, well, that's not really happening, so we don't need to ban it. But I am against it as a good argument because it's not, it's horrible. And it's going to catch you up every time, just like it did here. Well, y'all, that's what we have time for today on the Andrew Cooperwriter Show. Thank you all so, so much for joining us. Please catch us back here tomorrow with another episode. Have a great rest of your day.